Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we have an opportunity to hear from Ronald Jones. He's the Managing Director of the International Business Institute at Messiah University in Pennsylvania. And Ron has a fascinating history and marketplace mission, and specifically in the context of Ukraine. He had been teaching redemptive entrepreneurship in Ukraine until the onset of the recent war, and now he's back in the U.S. and heading up the International Business Institute there at Messiah University. And he and I have similar heart and passion for the Eastern European region. Um, many of my early years of ministry were in Ukraine, Russia, various former Soviet republics. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about your journey, Ron. So welcome to the program. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that we were able to connect. It's, it's going to be a great time. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Uh, you know, Ukraine is in the news a lot these days, obviously, for tragic reasons. And I want our audience to hear about your work there. But first, to really kind of lay the framework out, lay some history out about your life and how you ended up doing what you're doing. You know, can you share your background with us? You know, what's your journey been like to get you where you are now? Because it's it must have been quite an interesting series of steps. You know, there's probably uh, traditional mission stuff and ministry and business and teaching. I mean, you got a whole plethora of things back there. So. Yeah. Enlighten this audience, kind of bring us up to speed on where you're coming from. How'd you get here? Oh, sure. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I was, I was, you know, really blessed. I was born into an entrepreneurial family. My father had started a uh, family plumbing business, so he, he was a original entrepreneur, and I just have a lot of respect for him. And being raised in that family business, I said, I want to get out of the family business. I want to do something different. <laughs> so I went off to college, graduated in the 90s, and uh, thought I had the world by its tail. And uh, when I graduated, the economy had slumped, and there was there was no jobs to be had. So I ended back up in the family business. And uh, But God had a plan. We went, uh, you know... I, it's interesting. I, I, as a young person, you don't want to do certain things, but you realize it was probably the best, best plan anyways, for me to go back there. So ended up taking the business over. Um, okay. And leading it, becoming president. And, um, you know, but along the ways that, you know, I'd always had a faith in Christ was raised in a, in a very godly family and very passionate about missions. My father and my parents always taught us about, missions work and, and blessing missionaries and serving, you know, praying for them. But God gave me skills in business. God gave me, you know, ability to organize, ability to see profit loss, that type of stuff. And But I also had this fire in my heart for, for ministry and for missions. And, and so that was kind of, you know, a fight between what was going on there. And it kind of came together probably in the early 2000s when I, I ran into somebody who, 
introduced me to business as missions. Okay. And how that works together. And uh, boy, uh, within uh, two months of that conversation, I was was on a business ministry trip into the country of Georgia and into the country of uh, Turkey in Istanbul. Um, and really got to see how business can be used to bless the nations, how business can be used to grow the kingdom of God. So I was hooked, uh, started getting heavily involved in doing different type of short-term trips while still having my business here at home. And uh, it wasn't until about 2012, God said, okay, now I want you to step out and I want you to go, go to the nations. I want you to leave America. And I said, God, wait a second. <laughs> it's now 2012. I have five children under the age of 15. Oh, my I goodness. Got, <laughs> I had a great successful business. I mean, I had the, you know, the typical American dream. I had the success. And uh, I said, you know, maybe you should have thought about this, God, you know, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he kind of did the same thing. He laughed at me and he says, no, now. And so... 2012, we sold the, our, our family business, and um, we moved into doing mission businesses, missions work full-time. And I joined the Assemblies of God uh, World Missions, and uh, we immediately uh, started on the field and went into the Arab world. Okay. And began to see and do uh, uh, set up small businesses and business platforms uh, to help us get into these closed countries and to work in closed countries. Um, I should back up, though. Uh, it was actually before 2012, in the around the 2007, 2008, that I was doing uh, frequent trips to Ukraine and Eastern Europe. And it was at one point I had a, a small business there that I said, hey, I'm going to step out and we're going to run this as a missional business in Ukraine. And that, that was a wonderful success, a wonderful opportunity. And then, then until 2012, when God said, Hey, um, let's, let's move into this full time. So going with the assemblies, I was with them for, Oh, about six years in the Arab world. And at that point, um, our, our, um, official missions term was, was turning over or we had a, a time of furlough. And they said, well, Ron, Amy, my wife, Amy, where do you want to go next? And uh, we prayed about it. And we said, well, you know, we originally had a big heart for Eastern Europe. We originally had a big heart for Ukraine. And, you know, our, our parents, they were, they were never real crazy. We took their grandchildren to such a dangerous place like the <laughs> Arab world with, with the threats of ISIS and all the fears of this. So we're going to go somewhere special, somewhere quiet, somewhere peaceful. We're going to go to Ukraine. Nothing ever <laughs> happens in Ukraine. Yeah, nothing ever happens in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> and so in 2018, we landed in Kiev, Ukraine. And that was up until we had to then come home right before the war. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a deal. And so you said you'd been doing um, a business, some kind of enterprise there prior to your stint in the Muslim world. Is that correct? Right. What were you right. doing at that point? So, well, we, um, we had been doing some short-term trips into Ukraine and doing like weekly business, small business training, entrepreneurial trainings for Christians and non-Christians alike in Ukraine. And, um, you know, I often felt like as I taught 
American business principles in Eastern Europe and in Ukraine that my audience would look at me and say, well, you know, that may work in America, but that's never going to work here. Uh, you know, that idea that may work in America, but it's it's you don't understand this culture. And so it was about 2007. I had an opportunity to small buy small business. It was a um, it was a job skills uh, school. OK. And so we, we took that over and ran that for two years um, where we taught uh, high school graduates uh, who hadn't went on to college, taught them skills like cosmetology, landscape design, web design, accounting, all these different type of job skills. And uh, it was a, a wonderful opportunity to use kingdom business principles in on, on foreign soil. Yeah. And God really taught me a lot uh, during those two years of doing that. Wow. And then so then you got the kind of the longer term immersive call to go to the Muslim world for, in 2012. Yeah. How was yeah. that for your how was that for your family? I mean, how did you how did you leverage them out of America and into yeah. the Muslim world? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, it definitely was a call of God. My heart had really, you know, since getting involved in Ukraine with that small business, my heart was stirred more and more. I wanted to get into missions. Uh, and uh, honestly, my wife and I had talked about it and and I'm not trying to discourage her, but she was like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to full time. <laughs> we're not going to move across the seas. You know, uh, you got a successful business here in Pennsylvania. I, I'm a, I'm a stay at home mom. I'm living a good life. Uh, and uh, so I said, okay, you know, obviously the last thing I want to do is to force, <laughs> force my <laughs> wife into a situation <laughs> 5,000 miles away from home. So I patiently waited until one day God spoke to her and uh, clearly, clearly called her. I mean, it was really an instantaneous thing. And um, she said, no, nope, I'm ready to go. Wow. And uh, so once she was on board, then we moved ahead. <laughs> wow. That's, well, you know, with that stint you did with the Muslim world, you know, what were some of the, the key things you learned in that about doing uh, businesses mission or marketplace mission work? Uh, were there some standout takeaways from that season? Well, yeah, you know, one of the things that that was um, interesting to learn, I, as I explained to you, I was working with a regular full-time missions agency. Right. And um, uh, so I'm working with your typical traditional missionaries. And I'll never forget one day, we, we, we had started um, – we had started some language schools and I'll never forget one day I was sitting in my office at the language school and one of my fellow, uh, workers come in, my fellow missionary workers come in they said, Hey, they said, uh, Ron, I just want to stop by your office today. You know, I, I appreciate you so much starting this business and creating this school. He says that way, he says that I can come here and I can do the real ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait a second, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing taking my family uh, thousands of miles across the sea and setting up businesses if I'm not doing real ministry? And so I, I had to really get beyond the fact that, you know, business is a calling of God. Business is something that g can bring God glory. And I really credit a lot of Wayne Grudem's book, 
Business for the Glory of God. I really, uh, it's yeah. a short book, but man, that's so so powerful to me to understand how valuable business is in the, in the kingdom of God. Wow. So that's something you really latched onto during this time then in the Muslim yeah, world? Yeah, yeah. I'll share with you another quick story. During that Arab world experience that when we were there, you know, from one worker telling me that I wasn't really doing the real ministry, <laughs> you know, same same office, another day. Um, I, I'm at the school, I'm walking around and I seen this Arab couple, uh, walking through my school. And, um, and so, but I knew they weren't like somebody else was guiding them or leading them around. So I went to my secretary, I said, who are these people? Why are they here? She goes, oh, they're looking for one of our students. I think maybe the student's name was Sarah. I said, oh, okay. I said, so you know everything. She's, yep. So later on during... During the lunch period, I went to Sarah, a fellow missionary, a student of ours at the school. I said, "What? why were they here? What, why was this Muslim couple in, at our school looking for you? She said, Ron, you're not going to believe this. She said, two months ago, me and my friends, we were at a local restaurant here. And we we're sitting there and we're doing what God called us to do. You know, studying Arabic at your school and we're living here trying to witness to people. We're sitting... And beside us was a nice, friendly uh, Muslim family. We started talking with them. We found out that his back was hurting him. Mm -hmm. And so she said, we, we just, she goes, you know, we're forward. We love to talk about Jesus. She said, do you mind, um, you know, can we pray for you? And they said, oh, sure, that's okay. So, so um, that right there in the restaurant, they prayed for him, you know, in Jesus' name, that, that he would be healed, this pain would go away. She says, we left the restaurant two months ago, never thought anything of it. She said, this couple went home, and the next day, he wakes up completely healed. Wow, amazing. No whatsoever. And she said, um, she, she said, this couple said that we have to find these students. We have to find these, these, this group of people and tell them what happened. But the only thing is they, they didn't know who these students were except – they were celebrating a birthday. My students were celebrating a birthday there, and this Muslim couple had noticed the birthday cake said, Happy Birthday, Sarah. Huh. And they knew that these students were studying Arabic at a school. Well, there's about a half a dozen schools in this city of ours. And so for the next couple of weeks, this Muslim couple went from school to school looking for a Sarah that prayed for them at the restaurant <laughs> <laughs> until they walked into back into my school one day and they found her. They invited Sarah to their house. They said, Hey, you know, wow, this is amazing. What your prayer healed us. Would you come to our house? And they, Sarah came to Sarah and her friends came to their house that night. Their house was full of their entire family. And they said, Sarah, we want you to tell us about this. Jesus that healed this member of our family. Wow. And she said, you wouldn't imagine the experience we had sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with this Muslim family. That's something I'm not skilled. That's that that was really not my skill set to do all the type of things that this Sarah student can do. Right. But I am I was skilled. I'm a businessman. I set up businesses. I facilitate this type of thing between my students and the the missionary field. And so I felt so proud to have an integral role in that. And I, I certainly don't uh, put a crown in my, uh, put a, a, a gem in my crown for that, but I, I really 
I'm so proud that I was able to play a, a linking opportunity in that situation. Yeah, every part of the body of Christ doing its yeah. function, working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. It's awesome. It, it was awesome. So, and we had, um, you know, at that point in time in the school, we had over 60 students, missionary students that we had brought in, and all of them witnessing every day, going out and doing what they did every day. My mission field was my employees. Right. My mission field it, it, at that point in time and in, in that role when the Arab world was to be a witness to my employees. And we have, you know, incredible opportunities to do that there and work with them. But then I was able to be multiply my effect by 60 other people that our school had brought into the country. Right. So uh, it was, it was phenomenal. Wow. So how did you uh, transfer that kind of experience and background to what you were trying to do in Ukraine? That's a bit of a shift. Yeah. And but some similarities. So what did it look like when you gear shifted into Ukraine there? And what were you trying to accomplish? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we went to the Arab world where, you know, where Christianity's kind of shut down. And so we use business as a as a tool to help open things up. In Ukraine, it's different. Ukraine, we have complete freedom of religion. Um, people were not having to uh, worry about getting uh, access to the gospel or, or being restricted from sharing the gospel because it was free to do that. However, this is this is why missions is is so needed in, in all different countries. Regardless of what level a country is at, uh, they usually need some missionary help, hmm. uh, some outside influence. So our role in Ukraine was to come and stand along the national church. We, we were blessed. We had good national church partners. We were not trying to start something outside of that national church, but we said, listen, let's come alongside you. Well, one of the things is in Ukraine, as, as you're dealing with, um, there's so many different factors of growing that church, the development of their community of believers uh, was lacking. Uh, to the point that when I really started going there in 2006, seven, um, business people in the church didn't exist. Wow. Uh, and we know as, for the national church to grow, you need all kinds of people. You need, you know, business leaders, you need political leaders, you need doctors, you need nurses, you need teachers, you need all this. But they, they, they hadn't, um, fully were able to embrace that and build that into their church. So when I went to Ukraine, our goal, our passion was to help. Uh, it was simply this is to help Christians become successful business owners and help business owners become successful Christians. So we, we kind of went at it two ways. We, we developed those within the church to start new businesses, to come alongside and mentor them, counsel them, but then we also had quite a few people that were already in business, saved or unsaved, who didn't understand the purposes that God had for them. And so uh, we would come and encourage them to strengthen their faith, to, to live out their faith in the business that God had put them in. Wow. And so that was a, an apparent kind of weak spot in their uh, worldview, their Christian worldview, 
is it do you feel like it was uh rooted in just a gap like that that area hadn't been spoken to yet or was there any kind of like cultural or theological resistance to uh, really understanding or leaning into like theology of work or understanding God's purposes for vocation in the kingdom? It, it was, in my in my opinion, it was really a strong lack of, of their yeah theology of work. And that was something we, we constantly had to address and bring up to help them understand that your role and whatever God has called you to do is no more holy or unholy than another brother or sister in Christ. Right. And that 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 priesthood of all believers exists for pastors, for school teachers, for plumbers and for businessmen. Uh and and that was that was a challenge. Um in the mid 2007-8 that we did not experience that. Now, thank God that has come a long way. In our years that was there, I was there from 2018 to 2022. Uh, things had already started to open up. We had quite a um, within our na- national church that we worked in. There was some very successful business people at work in uh, in the church uh, and having very successful businesses. But many years ago, that was that was not looked upon. Uh, it, it was it was saying that you were abandoning God, you were pursuing money, you were you were not really focused on the ministry. Wow! And uh, and God forbid if you if you were a pastor, God forbid that you would actually do something other than pastor the church. Because if you went out to start a, your own business, you, wow, you you've forsaken the call. You you've now decided to pursue money. No, he's not pursuing money. He's just trying to feed his family <laughs> so he can do the ministry, so he can be a pastor of a church. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like a really entrenched sacred secular thing was going yes, on. Yes, there was definitely that that divide there. But um, but you know, I have definitely seen a transition and a change in that. And so, but and obviously, particularly the younger generations were getting it much quicker than the those sure. that were older and they're longer. I wonder if that has to do with modeling. You know, when I when I started out early doing ministry in the Ukraine, you know, 93 and 94, you know, kind of the early 90s, uh, there, you know, you're playing, it's that whole principle of, you know, if you uh, essentially like, I think it's, I think in the church planting training mantra, it's says something along the lines of how, whatever you, however you start a church, uh, and whatever you do in the first 72 hours is essentially all that church will ever become or be. It like locks in their worldview or their paradigm around uh, what church is or what Christianity is. And, you know, and in the early days, there were no business, Christian business professionals going to Ukraine. It was all professional missionaries, you know, myself included and others. So we were modeling what mm-hmm. successful Christianity was, which was not a marketplace context. It was something completely separated or, or extracted from a marketplace context. And so I, I wonder if early on there was 
some kind of a cultural norm that set in around the new church and the new churches that, you know, that that was what you were aspiring to be if you were going to be a successful Christian versus having been modeled in marketplace example, which obviously now the younger generation is becoming more familiar with. And that's probably being modeled by you and others. It's more normative now. Um, so I, I just wonder if there's a modeling thing in this season with the churches. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're definitely right. I think you're, you're hitting, you're hitting a real good point there. Um, they, they never saw that. Um, unfortunately during, during particularly communism and coming out of communism, what I saw in the churches, the churches that had people were old men and women and little children. And that yeah. was it. There was never any middle aged people. There was never any people in the prime of their career serving Christ. Uh, now that's, that's changed. It's changed in Ukraine quite a lot, but you know, during during that time when they're coming out of of communism, uh, there was not a, a lot of modeling to that. So I think you're right, Jonathan. Yeah, I wonder about that with the whole way we we have done traditional missions in a lot of ways has modeled a bit of an abstract that's not accurate to mm -hmm. um, the whole holistic picture of the body of Christ. You know, did, during your time there, did you? Um, have any any highlight outcomes with people? Were you able to see some people really latch on to a different way of understanding, you know, vocation through theology of work or putting it into practice? Were there were there was there traction with that as your mission model? Yeah, I, I believe we we did. We we started to see some of that really start to develop. Unfortunately, as we entered into this conflict with Russia and things had to get changed, but. Um, you know, one of the one of the the highlights I think of a, one of our students. We we had a business school in um, in Ukraine teaching Christian business principles, and one of the highlights uh, for me was a student named David. And David was um, was the youth pastor in his village, uh, and the village you know village life in Ukraine is not like living in a small town America. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you understand. Oh yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, when you when you live in the village, it's like living in a whole different world. The, the infrastructure is bad. Uh, there's no economic opportunities. Uh, drug and alcohols are rampant. Everybody tries to leave the village because it's just bad place. Right. Well, anyways, God had called David as a youth pastor for his local church in the village, and he loved the village. He loved serving the people of the village. But he said, Ron, you know, the church can't even afford a pastor. They can't afford me as a youth pastor, um, but I'm a farmer. And said, so I invited them. I said, come to our school. And uh, we studied business over uh, about three different uh, levels of training that we provided. And we began to look into, investigate how he could grow his small farm. Well, I, I could probably talk to you about this for an hour. But, <laughs> but he came before the war. He came to me with this business plan. And he said, uh, he said, help me buy a harvester. And uh, he said, then I can harvest my small field and I'll go out and rent myself out with my harvester to the neighbors and uh, we'll be able to make some income. I said, okay. I said, well, how much you need? He goes, well, I need $8,000. I said, okay, so how, when do you want to pay it back? Like how many years? And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to give you the money back and at the end of harvest season. I said, wait a second, David. I said, this is a business loan. You know, you don't understand 
business loans, you know, you, dr- you drag them out two or three years to pay back. And he says, Ron, he goes, you don't understand. My my work ethic is this. This summer, this was March. This summer, I'm gonna you're going to buy me a harvester. I'm going to work all summer for you. And he goes, at the end of that summer, everything I've made, I'm going to give you, pay off the harvester. And at the end of the year, you're going to have your money and I'm going to have a harvester. And we're going to all be happy. And I said, well, okay, but we'll we'll see how this happens. <laughs> well, he did. He came through on his word. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Everything he made that year, he gave back to pay his loan back. Well, fast forward to March of 2022. The Russians had just invaded. I'm back at home in Pennsylvania. He says, hey, Ron, he goes, um, would you be interested in giving me a second loan? I said, David, you're in a war zone. I don't give <laughs> loans to people in war zones. <laughs> he goes, no, he goes, I got this great opportunity. And uh, so he laid it all out for me. And I said, well, David, you were so faithful before. And I believe God has a plan and still wants to use you in the village. And that's where he is allowed to continue to stay and flourish and work at his church. So we gave him a loan. He paid it off through the war. Wow. And he came back to me four weeks ago. He says, I have another vision. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we're trying to help him expand again. But God has used the skills. He's, he's grabbed a hold of that and said, you know, I can use business. Uh, and in his particular way, yes, he's, you know, he, he works uh, so that he can also be involved in the local church community. Uh, but he also employs people from his church and youth group on his farms now. And so he's using it to even better the community that's around him through the investment we've done there. So uh, God has been doing some wonderful things through some of those uh, situations in Ukraine. What a redemptive story in the midst of one of the worst possible contexts. That's incredible. You know, as this, obviously, as this war drags on and who knows the eventual outcomes, but, you know, um, supposing Ukraine comes through uh, relatively intact, you know, what is the what is the need going to be on the other side of this as far as the marketplace ministry work or even traditional mission endeavors? You know, how do you see that coming together after this war? Yeah, well. You know, God has given me some wonderful relationships with Ukrainians where I've been gone almost a year now, but still talking to many of them every day. During my time in Ukraine, um, one of my close partners that uh, helped join me in this in this teaching of business as missions and teaching of Christians in the marketplace was Andre. Andre was a home builder, is a home builder. And um uh, when this war broke out, you know, he had come to our school and he was, he was a very s- smart guy. And when this war broke out, he called me and he said, Ron, he said, I can't build homes anymore. You know, there's nothing to do. He says, but he's that I'm also very entrepreneurial. I got to do something. He said, I want to, I want to start a relief. I want to start relief work. Hmm. And over the course of this year, it's been great to see him and a few other of my previous students who have Use that stuff that, I, I, we, that we poured into them prior to the war, thinking they were going to create some great businesses. He's used a few of them now to create some very unique and special um, opportunities where they're helping the hurting during this time frame. Right. So Andre spent this year um, organizing a food warehouse, setting that up, 
Uh, we've put up some heating centers now that the, they're losing electric and they're losing gas, some heating centers in the city to keep people warm. But uh, now he's he's circling back. Hope is starting to reform. And he said, Ron, we need to think about rebuilding. And right. In fact, he, he was more faithful. He saw hope long before I did. Six months ago, he told me, we need to think about rebuilding. But even now, um, so this this young builder who was pulled out of the building builder's market and to do this work this year, mm. now starting to reflect back. And um, he told me just today, I, I talked with him, he is um, next week, he's going to explore some some uh, housing units and some opportunities in the city where he can start to rebuild, put glass back on windows and patch roofs and get people back in, in some homes. So there's going to be some great opportunities for entrepreneurial people that that are ready to rebuild, for people that are ready to to go to work and to, and I think you know God still has an incredible story to write in Ukraine. Yeah, and I I I, I know with all my heart that that there is a, a better day coming. They've been through a lot of struggles. They've had a lot of challenges even before the war. And uh, I think God is making them stronger through this fire. And I, I really believe that they're going to they're gonna grow in the next few years ahead. And God's going to do some amazing things there. So in the in that season ahead, um, so you're definitely, if I'm hearing you right, you're, there's a need for uh, real missional professionals to get involved for entrepreneurs, for people to help bring some solutions and train people, if I'm hearing this right, to be redemptive like these guys you're engaged with that are always looking around like, how can I improve this situation as a believer, as a marketplace guy? Um, Am I hearing you correct there? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I come from a very, you know, blue collar background, construction, carpentry, those type of things. And we got a Ukraine's a country now of about 40 million people. Um, as much as I love church missions trips and church trips where they go do construction, there's going to be 40 million people in Ukraine that need jobs. Right. They're going to need entrepreneurs. They're going to need leaders that will come in and organize them uh, and create companies to restore and rebuild. Right. Uh, not And not only even construction, but many different areas they are still um going to be needing young uh, people to build and create new businesses and new services uh for the for the future going forward and so if you have skills in business and friends it doesn't matter you know what you think your skills are i i certainly never felt that i had tremendous like highly um highly uh, educational skills, right? I come from a blue collar background, but God will use you and he'll use you in amazing ways. That <laughs> I, 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 you know, I reflect back on just some of the crazy things that I've lived through and seen and happen. And I said, wow, God, you know, it, it's just uh, when you make yourself available, he'll use whatever you have in your hand and put you to work, just being faithful to him. So, um, you know, I, I, I tell people this, if if somebody like me, you know, I was probably in my 40s at the time with five young kids uh, and and could turn around and, and go and, and do something like this, 
if God's stirring people's hearts, respond. God is faithful. He is He is true, and He will provide the needs that you have. There were so many hurdles and so many excuses I gave God as to why <laughs> I can't be doing this. Uh, but as I stepped out little by little, He resolved them. He worked them out, and uh, and He gets the glory. That's amazing. That's amazing. I really, I really love your story for many reasons, but definitely because of the uh, willingness to step out that you had, but also the patience that you showed in the process, bringing your family along through letting God speak to them in that, and uh, also your flexibility in this. This is something I think is really healthy and inspirational for a lot of. I'll just say American Western Christian entrepreneurs, business people who might feel like they're getting really stuck in something rigid or that there's a lot of limitations to maybe how they feel boxed in or that they have um, set their life up in such a way that they couldn't uh, adjust for some redemptive endeavor like you've taken on. And so I I love hearing uh, that it's possible, even with all those variables that you mentioned in place. I think people need to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, if God is, if God's calling you and things will, things will come into place and, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be some special calling. You don't have to, maybe God's not calling you to, to sell your business and move halfway around the world. Like I did. <laughs> it could be, there's a lots of other ways to get involved in this movement and uh, changing people's lives and communities and, and using business as that platform. So just being obedient to, to what he calls you to do step by step. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, as we wrap up here, I always like to ask uh, people this on the program, but if you had a chance to go back to the early new believer, you in the professional world in your business and you ran into yourself and you had a chance to offer some advice, what would you tell yourself early on? Something that maybe, you know, that you needed to know, but you hadn't heard it yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about my younger self and um, I, I think I spent a lot of my younger years looking towards something in the future that God was going to do for me rather than being obedient and responsible in the moment of where he put me. Okay. Like as a young man, I, I had this passion for, for missions and I'm thinking, oh, you know, someday maybe this could happen. Someday is this. And, and, but what I, what you need to realize is, you know, that that's true. That God has great plans, but what are you doing today? Sure. What are you being faithful in today and to what he's called you to do? So you're not living in the middle of of uh, of squalor and in like a some slum city where you can do great ministry outreach. But what are you doing today at your work? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing to speak to the people that are around you? Uh, so you know that that's been I think one of the things that I would encourage myself if I could tell myself back then is, hey, be sure to live the moment you have and live the call that you have at that time. The future will come. Yes, plan for it, dream, make make goals, but also don't forget that God has a purpose for you today and this week. 
That's great. Well, Ron, thank you so much for your time and your investment in this audience. It's really crucial and it's helping develop missional professionals in this kind of new season, this new era we're in and developing professionals that can actually advance the kingdom of God through their work. So thank you again for joining on this, uh, joining us on the program. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Thank you for, for having me, inviting me. I, I hope as uh, a blessing to you and to some of your listeners today. And uh, we'll keep praying for you that God will use you mightily, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.